seeking the blessing of the Lord, let us turn again to the chapter that we read, Philippians chapter 3. And we may take, indeed we can read from the beginning of the chapter, Philippians 3, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. And particularly the third verse there, we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. And as we once again come to a Friday night of a communion season, and as we seek to prepare ourselves for a communion Sabbath, this uh, communion, speaking with some of the brethren today about how this all came about for uh, having such a time of communion from a Thursday through to a Monday. And while we can say, well, we cannot find the exact pattern in Scripture, there is certainly, nevertheless, that is a scriptural pattern that we have in this. And it is for us, or the fathers have gone before us, set this day aside, particularly for self-examination, and also for, of course, in doing so, seeking marks that if especially we expect to sit at the Lord's table, that we have uh, what the older writers used to call the spots of the children of God. And this surely is what all of us seek after, to know indeed that we are amongst the true people of God. Now. Here we see the apostle, he is addressing the Pharisees and being religious and zealous, as the Pharisees no doubt were in godly things as they saw it. Paul is showing them here, of course, that that is not enough. And that is even true to this day itself for us. It is not about having that outward form. It's about the heart being right before God. The Pharisees were all about the externals, crossing every I and crossing every T and dotting every I, and especially when in public, to be seen to be something. Remember how the Lord Jesus speaks about them elsewhere, going around with their sad countenances and uh, those who, to look and to be seen as those appearing to fast and to be so holy and so religious. And the Lord is condemning such. They were always very technically correct in every aspect of their religious duties. Sadly, friends, that there's a danger of that 
with ourselves to be, as it were, technically correct in the duty, outward form, and yet not being right before God in our hearts. This is part of what he is bringing out here, the works of the the, the ceremonies and of the law that they were so full of, and yet their hearts been far removed from what they ought to be. And one area particularly that comes across here as elsewhere in Scripture is this insistence on circumcision. But Paul is teaching here, we are the circumcision. This is the same thing elsewhere, for example, in Romans 2, that not a Jew, if one outwardly only, it's about circumcision of the heart. It's about our hearts being right before God. It's not about, he's saying to them, leaving a mark on the flesh. That does not deal with the sin of the heart. And our outward religion, if that is all we have, will never deal with the need of our heart and of our souls before God. But again, to look then tonight at our own standing before God, and to look at us, we have it here under three headings, which are easy enough to see in the third verse, that we worship God in the spirit, we rejoice in Christ Jesus, and we have no confidence in the flesh. There, for you, is summed up what is true of the believer. That is a summing up tonight of what should be true of yourself if you are professing to be a child of God. Well, then the first thing here, worshiping in the spirit. We worship God in the spirit. So Paul is setting out immediately here before us the true circumcised with God. Those who are having, having not man, but God himself and by his spirit that he gives us this new heart. Circumcision, as he says elsewhere in Colossians, circumcision made without hands. And that, friends, I will suggest to you here is the first a mark of such who have been touched by the by God in a saving way is that they worship him in spirit. That is the new heart that is given to any of us if we come to know the Lord. Such friends are the true people of God. Such are the true covenant people of God. What is then, is it then for ourselves what is it to worship in the spirit? Now, some see this word, we may have it in, 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 in our Bibles, maybe the word spirit with a small s. Some might have it in a capital S. But this word spirit, some see to do directly with the Holy Spirit with a capital S. And so there is the idea of worshiping in the right spirit with a small s, or through the Holy Spirit with a capital S. Now, does it matter very much? Well, in one sense at least, it doesn't make any great difference. You see, we cannot in any way whatsoever, we cannot, whoever we are, worship in the right spirit without the Holy Spirit. And so 
however way you look at this, this worshiping in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is needed in our own spirit, being right with the Holy Spirit and through the Holy Spirit that we worship God. And we do so with all our hearts, soul, minds, and strength. You see, what makes our worship worship? Well, surely it must be the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we cannot enter truly into the worship of God without the Holy Spirit. And our spirit then being right, being led by the Spirit of God. But God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him, the Lord Jesus tells us, must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so those tonight who have come to put their trust in Christ, their worship now must always be regulated and prompted by the Holy Spirit. Your worship must be led, must be guided by the Holy Spirit of God. You see, that's the great difference we have here with the Pharisees. It was all an outward forum. It was for impressing people would know whatever they said, they were not right before God. And this is what the apostle brings out time and time again. Before and without the Holy Spirit, it may all have been just an outward forum for yourself. When you came to church, maybe you're here tonight and you come to the means of grace. We are thankful for that. But it's all just an outward forum. But for the person who has been touched by the Spirit of God, who have come to love the Lord Jesus Christ. It is no longer an outward forum. Do you recognize that tonight in your own life? Can you look back on the day when it was just an outward thing? And now you know it is not like that. Do you recognize the difference in your own worship? Do you recognize the Spirit that you now come in the worship that once was not yours at all, how it was and how it is tonight for yourself. And the child of God, the Christian here, should recognize the difference. You should know in your own heart, in your own spirit, the difference that was there. Are you worshiping tonight? Well, here's a mark for you if you're worshiping in the spirit. You see, there has to be a supernatural aspect now that was never there before. It has been a supernatural thing led by the Spirit of God that makes your worship true and makes your worship genuine. That has brought about a great transformation. And it is a supernatural thing. It is not of ourselves. If we are left to ourselves, we could never attain to worshiping God as we ought to. But it's not so with yourself, is it? At one time, you came to God's house, maybe. You came to God's house, and you knew worship had, if I can say, something to do with Christ and with Christianity, and you might have known all the outward things. You may know your Bible very well. But now, while it was at one time, something to do with these things generally. What has happened now? Ah, by the Spirit of God, your own spirit now, has, it has everything to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything. 
Every aspect of it has to do with him in your worship now. No longer the outward forum, no longer just seen to be as the Pharisees, but now it is all to do with your heart and your soul before him. You may have once gone to church to get something for yourself. And that is, of course, true for us all in one sense and another still. But friend, the person worshiping in spirit, it's now about giving, giving praise, giving worship, giving of ourselves. It is about honoring God above everything else. And what we receive from him, we are thankful for. But first and foremost, it has to be that side of it, that aspect of it, to give to him. Saying with the psalmist, not unto us, Lord, not to us. To thy glory take unto thyself. And these are some of the marks of the true worshiper. Those who are worshiping from their heart, worshiping in the spirit. For the Pharisees, I said, lifeless service. For some of us at one time, for yourself at one time, it was a lifeless service as well. But for the true circumcised as well, the true believer, there is by the Spirit now this deep heart engagement in the worship. Your all should be given to him. Your all should be engaged with him. Your all in everything that you do to give him the glory. And neither now is it as it is, as was with the Pharisees, with the Pharisees, just seen worship. For them, it was all about being seen, being in the temple, being out in the street to be seen. It was always the public aspect of it. But what is true of you, Christian, tonight, surely? Not just this in coming together in this way, but the other side of it that is vital as well, and that is the worship in the secret place, the worship in the closet, the worship of God where you pour out your heart on your own in repentance, where tears are shed, and you're pleading every day for the cleansing blood to be upon you, sprinkled upon you. And so even there in the private, there is that adoration. There is that worshiping in the spirit. There is exalting the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you say, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Thou knowest that I love thee. That surely is all part now of how it should be. Now, can you tonight identify with that for yourself? Are you able to enter into that spirit, if you like? Yes, I know that has come into my experience. Yes, I know that transformation is now mine. Worshiping in the spirit. A true mark, then, of the child of God. And then secondly, I move on there, it says, worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. Rejoice in Christ Jesus. Jesus. The word here, rejoice, comes up. The word in, in um, the first verse, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. It's a different word that is used here in the original language. The first one is just being, uh, there's a 
calmly happy, if I can put it that way, without trivializing it, what it says in the first verse. But this is different. We'll look at in a minute. Now here, surely, those who are truly, truly the Lord's. And this, friends, is a clear mark of the child of God. They rejoice in Christ Jesus. But you see, you can only rejoice in Christ Jesus if you are following what we spoke about in our first point, if we are worshiping in the Spirit. No person can rejoice in Christ except by the Spirit and worshiping in the Spirit of God. That's an important thing, to rejoice in him. We've got to be afraid, friends, and aware of the danger of ourselves, of a legalistic spirit. That'll take away our joy. That'll take away our rejoicing in Christ Jesus. Oh, no doubt that in your time in the world, you often rejoiced. Indeed, you often, I am sure, there were times of great joy. And that in itself, friends, is not necessarily sinful in and of itself. But is it not true that however much there was no eternal pleasure or lasting joy in these things, it was forever moving on to something else. It would satisfy for a while. But ah, now, what a difference. What a difference in your own experience with the Lord as you rejoice in Christ Jesus. Yes, we all should be thankful for God's goodness and even in his common grace. But in coming to faith in Christ, there shall rejoicing that nothing in the world can compare with. And if you're a Christian tonight, you will know something of that to some degree, some more than others, no doubt. Sometimes, indeed, we are aware, more aware of it at some times than others. But I would say to you, this is always there. In one way or another, it is always there for you. That's rejoicing. So in coming to trust in Christ, there's a rejoicing that nothing, absolutely nothing can compare with. Rejoicing in him. Rejoicing in the Lord. And again, he says, rejoice. Friends, again, I say to you, beware of a legalistic and pharisaical spirit that often keeps us from rejoicing in the Lord. Beware of it. As if we have to go around all the time with a dour face and not allowed to smile or laugh and we must look so serious. Friends, that's the Pharisee. That's the Pharisee. Of course, there are times when we all feel sad and down. But there should be a joy in Christ Jesus that should be, if you like, should be seen in our faces. You know yourselves, some people, some of us are not so good at it, and I include myself. But some people, and you look and you see, as it were, Christ in their face. And there's something about them. Oh, that all of us would have that. Look like that because of the inner joy that is ours in Christ. So we have to be aware of that. As I said, the Lord 
was warning others of going around with a sad countenance. That is to give the impression of being holier than thou. Friends, if you're a Christian tonight, what reason you have to joy and be joyful in the Lord? What reason you have to rejoice in him? To tell others of what he's done for your soul? What reason to know it and to show it? And this, you see, the Pharisees were happy enough to show what they thought and what they were doing. But it wasn't to elevate Christ. It was to put themselves forward, project themselves. But the Christian, he has the spirit of the Baptist. He must, I must decrease that he increase. Rejoicing in the Lord. And friends, any kind of rejoicing ceases to be genuine when it is not in the Lord. That is necessary for us. Oh, yes, the world, as you once did, seeking satisfaction in the broken systems of this life, ever seeking uh, pleasure in what is transient and short-lived. But there's no lasting joy in it. And this is something else that the Christian will have come to understand. You look back in your life and you think of times when you, and you thought, well, this is it. This is wonderful. Nothing can be better than this. But now when you compare it, you say to yourself, oh, what a fool I was. How shallow I was. Imagining that that was true happiness. Nothing compares rejoicing in the Lord for who he is and what he has done for you. You remember that yourselves, looking back in these situations. Oh, that now that we would show in our lives the difference, the change, the transformation that has come about. And now having come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, friend, as your Savior, a different kind of rejoicing altogether. You see, Christian joy is of a it's on a different plane. It's on a different and a higher level and nature. How is that? Because in it, or should I say in him, you have found the answer to every deep desire of your soul. He meets your every need, doesn't he? Isn't that true for yourself tonight? What you, the world could never satisfy. You learn by experience the teaching of the Lord. What shall it profit me if I gain the whole world? That's nothing. It's nothing when I have Christ. That is my reason for joy and rejoicing tonight. In other words, everybody need whatever it is you now have discovered. It's all in Christ. And I have everything that I need in Christ. Jesus. Can you say that here this evening? I'm not saying that you'll always have the full awareness or the felt sense of such. But you'll always say with the psalmist, God is my chiefest joy. My chiefest joy. Nothing I have ever known can compare with my joy in the Lord. This word here um, 
rejoice in Christ Jesus. The word rejoice here, as I said, is different from the one in verse 1. This one here, it's about glorying in. I glory in, is what he's saying here. In the original language, I glory in Christ Jesus. Or it even can be translated, as it is elsewhere, it's a strong word, it's the idea of boasting. In Christ Jesus. Now we know boasting can be a sin, but you get the idea here, the whole idea is. In the best possible way, somebody has put it quite quaintly, and again with reverence, I pray, he was saying, the Christian boasts in the Lord. The Christian can't help but brag about Jesus. You get the picture. Get the idea here. That's what's behind this word the apostle is using in verse 3 for rejoicing. Rejoicing in Christ Jesus. Glorying in him. Boasting in him. There is none like him. Bragging about him, if you want to use that word as well, in the best possible way. You're saying, come here, I'll tell what he did for my soul. Come and know my Savior. Come and hear and see who he is and what he is to rejoice in him. Now, as I said, we don't always have that assurance or that felt sense of his presence in that way. And a warning for us here, if we find ourselves at a distance from the Lord, and we find ourselves with little joy in our lives, lost what maybe we once had, what do we need to do? Well, we need to go apart. We need to seek it again. And we need to spend time on our knees, usually in the closet on our own before God, and seek out what has come between me and my Savior that it caused me to lose my joy. Whether it be laxity in your private worship, lack of preparation coming to a meeting such as this, unconfessed sin, or maybe sadly even a pharisaical spirit that we can have at times seeing ourselves better than others or concluding our own worthiness is worth something. But friends, whatever it is, we will not have the true joy of the Lord if things are not right as we ought to have before him. And until problems and sin is dealt with in whatever form, we will not know that joy and rejoicing, maybe that you once had. But however, if you can say tonight, and I speak, and I slightly paraphrase Peter in chapter one, whom having not seen, I love. In whom, though now I see him not yet believing, I rejoice. With what? With joy unspeakable and full of glory, or to enter into that spirit, to know something of that as Peter knew it, to have that tonight, that rejoicing. What is it? It's a joy unspeakable, beyond words, and full of glory. Whose glory is, oh no, the glory of Christ. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Rejoicing in Christ Jesus then, worshiping the Spirit, rejoicing in Christ Jesus, that is a clear, blessed token of the child of God.
Is he more precious? We heard this morning about in the question preciousness. Is he more precious to you tonight than anything and anyone else? Do you rejoice in him tonight because of who he is, first and foremost, not even first and foremost what he has done for you, but who he is in himself, and then what he has done for you being who he is, rejoicing in Christ Jesus. And then thirdly, in our text it says, and have no confidence in the flesh. Excuse me. Oh, friends, this is certainly a mark of the believer. And it's not a mark. We speak about rejoicing and the joy of the Lord. That can, there's a level what everybody has, must, must, that must be true of all, but it can be at different levels at different times. But here is a mark that this should be true all the time, not just of some believers, but of every believer, that they have no confidence. You have no confidence in the flesh. The apostle says here, look at me, circumcised the eighth day of the talk of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of the Hebrews, a Pharisee concerning seal, blameless, he says, in all things. As far as he was concerned, outwardly the law had been literally perfectly complied with. And consequently, all the advantage that could be derived from such compliance, he believed was his at one time. Ah, but now look at him. I have no confidence in it. I have no confidence in the flesh. That is gone now for him. What a transformation, friend, in the life of the great apostle. Absolute turnaround transformation in his life. All these things I thought, but now I see. I have no confidence in the flesh. In these things. A great transformation. But I say this to you, friend. Man and woman, boy or girl here tonight. It's no different. And it's no less in you if you come to love the Lord. Confidence in the flesh. Gone. Oh, at one time, or many of us imagined somehow or other we would attain to heaven. Somehow or other, there was no way we'd end up in a lost eternity. But whatever the impression we gave then, friends, of believing the teaching of Scripture, which we would say we did, some of us, about what to be saved. Whatever else, it wasn't real, true trust or faith in Christ. It was trust in the flesh, in ourselves. What were we doing? We're living with confidence in ourselves. Confidence in our good works. Confidence in who we are, our own righteousness. Couldn't see that it was us filthy rags. Our own good works. Oh, surely God will accept us for this. But of course, friends, we know also, sadly, that there is still a struggle going on with the flesh. A struggle in all who worship God in the spirit, who rejoice in Christ Jesus. There's still a struggle going on. But no longer 
is the Christian ruled by the flesh. There's a difference in that. And who doesn't know something of that struggle? There are some who are not troubled by it. Those who are generally living with confidence in the flesh. It doesn't bother them. They are happy as they are. But the Christian has a struggle. Struggles on with the world, the flesh and the devil. You see, before we were blind and deaf to the state of our souls without Christ. It was all about myself. That's how it was. But here, dear friend, is a good mark for you tonight. Have you come to this place where you realize that all the outward forum, the external rites, the church attenders, prayers, good neighborliness, conformity to the law, as seen by now, is of no spiritual value whatsoever as far as your salvation is concerned. Can you say that tonight? That you've come in some measure at least to realize this. It's not of myself, it is all of grace. And the flesh you come to realize now that none of these things constitute a good hope for yourself. But I thought I needed to be saved. I now see I am no better than the Pharisees. And that's what Paul is speaking about here, is it not? That's how he was. All that he was. A Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning seal, persecuting the church, righteous which in the law. I was blameless. Blameless. That's how it was with the man in a measure with ourselves, with our good works. And any here tonight are still depending on their good works. There's the difference between you and a true Christian. But Christian here tonight, my troubled friend, still struggling with the flesh. That's not a reason in and of itself to be downcast or despair and dejected or feel hopelessness. It's a reason to rejoice in Christ. Because what, what are such struggles showing in your life? Well, just it, that you have no confidence in the flesh. You have now come to realize what the flesh is. And because of it, there's a struggle, as I said, there's always the ongoing fight with it. But it is not true that you are no longer trusting in the world but now trusting in Christ and his atoning work and his intercession in your room instead. So my friend, rather than be too downcast about the struggle with the flesh, praise God that you have a struggle and that you realize the danger of it. When one day and one time in your life, you had no thought that was any problem to you. And so you can rejoice in Christ Jesus tonight that this is so. You see, when you think of days, these things didn't trouble you. Even if occasionally maybe some would know us, some of us did, our conscience troubled us a little. But then you would go back to your old ways. 
But the day came by the grace of God when you realized what that meant for you. That now in Christ Jesus, you worship God in the spirit, casting away all that was of self. As Paul, are you not now tonight, believer, renouncing all confidence in the flesh? And what if that is true of you? Well, you can read on if we had time in verse 8. And doubtless I count all things but dung but for loss of the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Dung that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness. There's the flesh, which is of the law. But it was through the faith of Christ, the righteousness, which is in God, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. I love these words. To know him and the power of his presence. That's what you are, Christian. One who has come to know him. And you've come to know the power of his resurrection at the same time. This is what's true of all the people of God. Oh, friend, think about it. You who once thought, yes, maybe at some thoughts of Christ Jesus. But now what is true? Is it not that he is precious to you? That preciousness that we thought about this morning. Precious to us. How precious he has become. Can you say now that he's more precious to me than anything and anyone in this world? Do you have us? Another writer put it. He said, oh, he says, Christ Jesus is my divine obsession. My divine obsession. Can you say that tonight? So we see then, friends, here is the hope, a mark of the Christian. Worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. And a few words in conclusion. Remember also that however long you've been following the Lord, whatever or whenever you're beginning in doing so, let's not be content just with our past experiences. Easy for us to do and sit back on our lease. Isn't it true that many have claimed to begin in the spirit, but sadly ended in the flesh? The follower, true follower of Christ must renounce forever all confidence in the flesh. And only in that way will the Lord become what he ought to be to us. As the apostle writes, it becomes our wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So, my dear friends, press on. Worship God in the spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus. Have no confidence in the flesh. And if he is precious to you tonight in that way, above all else, what will you do and should you do but obey his commandment? And remember his death till he come. Not be ashamed to do so. And if you can say tonight that you count all things but loss for the excellent knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, that's a Christian. That sums up what you are if you're a believer. And if you can say that, you can say with Augustine of old, 
Christ is not valued at all until he is valued above all. He is not valued at all and he is valued above all. Is he valued to you tonight above all? Well, friend, can you say tonight, well, he certainly is for me. With all my heart, I now can say, I seek to worship in the spirit and I rejoice in him and I have no confidence in the flesh. That's what every believer should be able to say, not just with words, but from the very depths of your soul and saying it with thankfulness, with love, with rejoicing in Christ Jesus. Is that you tonight? Amen. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, our God, remove from us all that would be of self. Enable us to cast our cares upon him who cares for us. That Christ Jesus would be the center, the focus of all for us. That we would love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that we would witness to that truth, that that is how we see him. Thankful for what he has done in our lives. In his name we pray. Amen.